Thank you, sir. Amen. Thank you, Don. Amen. Yeah, be uh, traveling. Six of us going to South Lake, and we've been going. We went last year. I went the year before, and uh, we're excited. <clears throat> I'll say that um, I go because, and I know everybody else. We want to hear from the Lord, and every time I've gone with different things that I wanted to ask the Lord and for Him to show me. <clears throat> And when God answers prayers, it's very clear, okay? And in the case of when we are in those meetings and listening to preachers, and I love to sit under the feet of good preachers, I get to sit and listen and worship and praise Him and have the fellowship with a lot of people, but probably be 5,000 plus there, uh, and we're going to enjoy that. We have lunch together and different things are going to happen. Pray that God would protect us going coming. Also, that God would give revelation release revelation in the hearts of uh, those of us, six of us that will be going. And then also <clears throat> that God would really ignite the fire in our hearts. Because see, the fire starts kind of with a brush fire. And then we bring it back. And we're going to bring it back for Save Savage, Lighthouse Fellowship, and for the body of Christ. And so we light a fire because God does that in our hearts and He renews us. But one thing for sure is I was the last time, <clears throat> last uh, September when we were there and I'd asked the Lord some questions about different things and it was the last session of the last day it's only two days Sunday night Monday and Tuesday and then the last speaker I think it was the pastor Robert Morris uh, he sh shared a message and I'm sitting there and I thought maybe that maybe before I started I said Lord I haven't heard that I haven't heard that word that you want to speak to my heart here at this place yet and then about midway through the pastor's message, it was like God just took and went, bam, right straight to my heart. And he spoke. And I said, there it is. And that word comes to you. You grab a hold of it. And I said, man, I said, Lord, you're never late. You're never early, but you're always on time. So if you're looking for a breakthrough, keep believing in God for a breakthrough. The same God that gave Megan the job is the same God that will answer Sid's prayers, Janet's prayers, and all of us here today. It's the same God. Okay, The miracle, Megan had been waiting on the Lord, as uh, Karen mentioned, and we know that obviously the breakthrough came. The same God is going to bring the breakthrough to you and to me. All right. How many of you seen breakthroughs recently? I want to raise my hand at that. Amen? You've seen breakthroughs. I've seen breakthroughs. Amen? And that's what's happening in the body of Christ. And that's the power of prayer and also the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. So we give Him praise. So if you're waiting on the breakthrough, it's coming. It's real soon. Don't give up. I've always known that right before you get ready to give up and you're getting ready to kind of go around the corner and you go around, begin to go around, and there the answer is. So you're right there. You're right there. And the answer is right around the corner. So don't give up. Revelation chapter 5. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, on the throne, a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? 
But no one in heaven or earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and his seven seals. Amen. And then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. And the lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. And each one had a harp. And they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they, were sa- they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and every language and people and nation. And you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Amen. Who's worthy? His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. Last week, we started, we're going to talk about today, can we break the heart of God? In the next few weeks, I want to talk about the Father, and I want to talk about uh, our relationship with the Father, specifically the Father. We have a relationship with Him. Jesus said, if you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. He came to reveal the Father to us. And we call Him Father, Abba Father. It's so tender and it's so loving and so kind. The Bible describes that. And that word, word Abba means Daddy God. It's real personal. But I don't think words can fully ex- describe what Abba Father, when we look at Romans chapter 8, means. It's a tenderness. That's who our God is to us. And so as we look at this today, can we break the heart of God? Because I've been reflecting on, can we really break the heart of God? We know in the book of Ephesians it says, do not grieve the Spirit, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't, do not grieve the Spirit, but be ye filled. Okay, And don't be drunk with wine, but be ye filled with the Spirit. But we can grieve Him by many different things. And I want to talk to you today about that. And then next week, we're going to talk about a little bit more along the fatherhood of who our Father is. Just who He is in your life. Okay, He loves us. And it's a love that we cannot really grasp. We cannot grasp. And that's why in the book of Ephesians, Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus. He said, I want you to know how wide and how long and how wide and how deep is the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. It goes beyond our intellect. It is an intimacy in the depths of our hearts that we're learning, we're growing into, as it may be said. We're realizing it because the Lord is there. The Spirit of the Lord has been given to us when we accepted Christ. But we're moving into that and understanding and beginning to grow in that love, beginning to love Him in the way, obviously, we know the Scriptures say to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. 
and then also to receive His phileo love, His experiential love for us. We're growing into that. We're moving into that. And that journey is exciting to me, and I know it is to you. You know, we get distracted, but if we get down to it and we begin to reflect on it, one thing Jesus said is, I only do what pleases the Father. And He said, I only do what I see the Father doing. He lived for one reason, and that was to please His Father. And that's the reason you and I here are here today. And so in this message, it's not necessarily negative, but it's very informative. And can we break the heart of God? Okay, and I want to talk to you about that today, but I'm going to round it off, and we're going to talk about, obviously, more in the positive vein, certainly, and that's the way we want to go, because I believe that it will obviously point you to a deeper relationship as you begin to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at this first scripture of Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. The first scripture, if you would. Okay. We know in this time of, of Noah, remember, if you'd like to stand while we read it, you're welcome to do that. If you read with me, you're welcome. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that He had made man on the earth and His heart was filled with pain. Let's look at Hosea chapter 1 through verse 8. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. But the more I called Israel, the further they went from me. They sacrificed to the Baals and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms, but they didn't realize it. Who I, who I, who he, it was I who healed them. I led them with the cords of human kindness, with ties of love, and I lifted the yoke from their neck and bent down to feed them. Will they not return to Egypt and will not Assyria rule over them because they refuse to repent? Swords will flash in their cities, will destroy the bars of their gates, and put an end to their plans. My people are determined to turn from me. Even if they call to the Most High, He will be by no means exalt them. They will be. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I treat you like Adma? How can I make you like Zeboam? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. Amen. Thank you. Can we grieve the heart of God? Can we break His heart? I've been reflecting on this. And sometimes I know in your life, my life, we've sinned and in the bottom pit of our being, we feel like, oops, I messed up there. And there's like a sickening feeling. It's like something's not right. Have you had that feeling before? If you're, if you're born and walking, you have, okay? And so we have, we know, and at that point I begin to reflect on it and some things that in my life and God's dealing with me on. And I begin to reflect upon, obviously, how serious it is to grieve the heart of God, to, to break His heart because He's my Savior, He's my Lord, He's my Father. He's the one I'll live with throughout eternity. And so it began to reflect upon this because, you know, if you don't know about it, it's kind of ignorance, obviously, out there. But if you know about it, we can do something about it. 
And that's what I want to share today. Today, Have you ever thought what it's like for God to be God? Have you ever thought about it? What's it like for God? Okay, I mean, He spoke creation to existence. He wanted from eternity past to have a relationship. He knew that obviously you and I would be born for such a time as this. We're not an accident. No matter what happened and as far as a conception and so forth, we're not an accident. And so God Almighty, who put it all together, who keeps it all in place, wants to have a relationship with it, with us. So have you thought about it? Here we are. What is it like to be God? What is it like to, to be Him and so forth? And so when you think about this, how does we think about how what we do is basically, let me reframe it, is that we think about circumstances in our lives and how they impact our lives, don't we? Most of the time. If something happens, I begin to reflect upon what does that mean for me? How am I going to respond? You know, in other words, if negative, how negative is it going to make my life? Or how miserable, so to speak, is it going to make my life? But have you ever thought about it from God's circumstances? As He looks upon the events in the world today, have you thought about how He feels about it? Certainly here. But I believe certainly it is possible for us to actually delight the heart of God. you believe that? In other words, that God's heart is made happy because of our walk with Him. Now, obviously, these things are covered with grace and the blood of Jesus. But our day-to-day walk with the Lord, we can bring Him delight into His heart. And so, obviously, I believe that walking in His presence brings delight to Him. And we talked about that. In fact, when Don said, the Lord is here, He's here right now. I mean, I was sitting there. You know, I sometimes I come in sort of numb because I've had to get here. I'm kind of rushed in, and, and then we're talking and doing a lot of things. But I get up here, and I begin to focus on the Lord. And all of a sudden, here comes the presence of the Lord and just covers me. And it's like things begin to change. My singing begins to change. My heart's attitude begins to change. I begin to look away from the circumstances that are around me. And maybe I may be facing, we all face circumstances too. And I begin to worship the King because I'm in His presence. So I think, obviously, God delights in us walking in His presence. He says, walk in the Spirit and you'll not gratify the lust of the flesh. Is he happy? Is he delighting when we walk in the Spirit? So what does that mean? Let me just share with you before we move on. Everybody know what walking in the Spirit is? Walking in the Spirit real simply is, obviously, turning away from those things that are not of the Lord. It's obeying the Spirit's voice. It's real simple. Not doing those things you know not right. And when you find out you've done them and you didn't know that they weren't right to begin with, you repent, you confess and repent of it and you move on. And God's blood, Jesus' blood cleanses us. But it's basically just turning away and doing what's right. Doing the things that God, aligning our life with the Word of God. That's what it's all about. That's why it's important to know the Word of God. And we're all growing in that also. So the first thing I want to look at here in Genesis chapter 6 is God's heart was broken over Noah's generation. It said here, he says here, Then the Lord saw their wickedness of man was so great on the earth that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart here. Think about it. The Hebrew word here for God's sorrow is natrum. It actually means it's a deep sigh of painful sorrow here. Have you ever hurt so bad inside 
that you could hardly get your breath. You were hurting so bad. Or maybe down deep, you were so frustrated. Things down weren't going. And down deep within you, you just couldn't catch your breath. You began to breathe heavily. You began, obviously, your respiration rate began to go up and all. This is God. This is God Almighty. And so often we neglect and we don't even see that. We don't think about that, who He is and how much He loves us and how sometimes, how irreverently we respond to Him, how we sort of take Him for granted and so forth here. But have you ever hurt so bad that inside you hardly could get your breath? Well, it's a kind of sorrow I believe that God is experiencing here. Grief that only groans because it's beyond words here. And this is the broken heart of God. This is love disappointed and wounded here. And God's experiencing a deep piercing sorrow over His loved and lost creation. God's response to our rebellion or rejection is never a selfish response. Okay. You think that maybe, well, because he grieves, he's thinking about himself. No, he's thinking about you and I. You see, when we sin, he grieves over that. Why? It's because he knows it's, we're going to get in a whole heap of trouble when we do it because God knows what's best and we want our ways and that's what was happening during Noah's generation. They wanted their ways. Every intent of their heart was wicked. They didn't want to have anything to do with God. They didn't want his plans. They didn't want his guidance. They didn't want His peace, His comfort. They wanted to do it their way. And that's the way we are today. And you would say, that would never be me. But you examine your life and let the Spirit of God show you and how, how far sometimes we drift from the Lord before God gets our attention and then we're drawn back into the compassion of His presence. You see, that's what happens today. We drift. It's because that bent, that old nature's there. And that bent to go in the opposite direction and all. God started it, He initiated it, and drew me and you. And we came to Jesus because no one comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws them. And so love seeks not its own in the first place. And God's heartbroken over what's happening to these people because of their sin. And not over, not over what is happening to Himself, but the concern is their pain. Sin carries with it that kind of consequence today. And the call of God is always a call to life. Anyone who answered that call and turned from their sin to God will live. In 2 Peter chapter 3, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance and everlasting life here. You see, in Noah's day, as in today, every soul wanted their own way. And it, it obviously, it, it actually insisted upon their own destruction, and they didn't even realize it. See, You see, today, we're either in the enemy's camp, or we're in the kingdom of God. We're not doing in-between. A lot of people believe, well, there's an in-between thing here. No. If you're not for God, you're against Him. If you're not in His kingdom, you're in Satan's kingdom. And you're a child of wrath if you're not saved here today. If you're not saved and you've not put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're wanting to do it your own way. You see, that old will within us wants to have our way. You know, everything around us, even our culture tells us in commercials, have it your own way, right? Whataburger or whatever, okay? Everything teaches us, have your own way. I've got rights here. Somebody just hurt me, and I'm not going to forgive them because I want to tell you today, I want them to hurt, and I'm not going to forgive them because they hurt me. And God said, go for, forgive them. And we know down in the pit of our stomachs, down deep within our being, we want to have it our way. 
that old selfish nature in you and me, it rises up on a, on a regular basis. Selfish. Because self is at the root of sin. I want my way. You know, my way or the highway? <laughs> we don't like to humble ourselves. Remember I talked about what humility is? That's actually stooping lower than you would ever imagine. You go, well, I'll lower myself a little bit, but I'm not going to admit I'm wrong to that person because they hurt me so bad and I'm wounded and so forth and all. And God said, no, humble yourself and I'll give you grace. And that means stoop lower than you've ever been before. It means get down on your knees, get down flat on your stomach, cry out to him today. That's lower and not considering yourself obviously better than anyone else today because we're here today by the grace of God and by the grace of God alone. That's it. It's not necessarily a position that we obviously posture our physical being in. It's a posture of our hearts. And it's a low place. We don't want. We don't want something else. We, I don't like what that person said. I don't like what that person does. Before long, you've got all this quarreling. You've got division. You've got bitterness. You've got anger. You've got all those things. God says, no, we've got to get rid of those things. I've come to sanctify you and to take those away. So why would an omniscient, omnipotent God position Himself to experience such sorrow and grief here? It's because love, by its very nature, is vulnerable to grief. Because love by its very nature is impacted by the choices of others. To grant free will is to grant possibility of love. You see, I can make people uh, do this and that, or I think I can sometimes, but God doesn't make us do anything. Everything we do as far as our relationship with Him is a choice of our will. Everything. We choose to walk with Him. We choose to be here on Sunday morning. We choose to walk with Him on Monday morning and throughout the week. We choose to serve Him if He calls us to serve, whatever it may be. We choose to do those things, you see. It's not something God said, well, if you don't do it, then you're in bad trouble. But you see, the heart of God is love towards you and me. And because of that love that He obviously extends to us and parts to our hearts, we want to love Him back. We want to know Him more. And the more you know how much He loves you, the more you'll love Him back. Amen? The more you know Him, the more in understanding what He's done for you and how He hurts when we walk away from Him. Noah's generation, obviously, was really rough today. And you want to know the truth? I don't see a whole lot of difference necessarily between that generation and that generation today, our generation. We're having abortions. They don't want to just wait when it's obviously just conception just took place, although I believe it takes place. Life takes place at the time of conception. They don't want to do that. Well, we want it right there in the ninth month. We want it right on continually because I don't want that baby. I don't know what I am. I don't know whether I'm a man or a woman. I don't know, obviously, any of those types of things. And so you need to use a neutral pronoun to be able to address me. Don't address me as Mr. Jim or whatever. I want to be addressed something different. I don't know who I am. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what my purpose here on this earth is. And so we see that today. We see crime today. We see killings. We see, obviously, things happening today. We see corruption 
from the government, from the highest places right on down through every level of governmental structure here today. Every level of authority. We see many times there's corruption in the church today where the corruption is not necessarily outwardly, but the church has taken on a legalistic type of stance to where people feel like they cannot bear up under the things that are required to be in the kingdom of God. And they don't understand grace, free grace, and the grace that God gives so abundantly. You see, it can happen all over, and it is. I don't see the difference there. Every heart, man's heart, everything in wicked, evil. I see evil today. I don't know about y'all. I look and I go, I, I know God gives us a sermon, but there's evil going on today. And I believe it's breaking the heart of God. The second thing here is, is God's heart was broken over Israel's rejection. In Hosea, it says, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called him. In other words, he called him out of slavery. And if you're sitting here today and you're saved, then He took you out of slavery to sin. He took you out of Egypt. The same thing symbolically. And you know, the Israelites, they grumbled and they complained and and they were like, they had it made. They got angel food to eat, manna from heaven. God was taking care of them and would continue to take care of them. And they murmured and complained. Now I know no one in here murmurs or complains, okay? Nobody complains about anything. But let me ask you, how did you have you responded to the 110 degree weather we've had for the last three months? I sure wish it'd be cooler. I sure wish it would cool off. And you see what? God controls the weather. And you see, what we're saying is, God, I wish you'd do something different than what you're doing. Right? That's not taking it to the extreme, folks. That's exactly what it is. Because we don't like it. We get circumstances in our lives, and we somehow look at God and say, God, what is going on here? And what do we do? We grumble. We get frustrated. Sometimes we get angry. Sometimes we get just bewildered with it and so forth. Instead of having the peace of God that passes all understanding, guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. You see, we do the same thing. You see, he's saying here, God is saying, my heart churns within me and my sympathy is stirred here. And it's a picture of a loving parent caring for his or her little one here. You remember when your child parents here was little? And you'd pick that child up and you'd kiss that child on the cheek and you'd, you'd hold that child close and, and you'd whisper in that child's ear, I love you. I love you. You see, that's what, who God is with us. We're His children. And He picks us up and He says, I love you. And yet we see the response here of Israel and how Israel responded many different ways because, you see, they had seen the supernatural hand of God in their midst. They'd been delivered through the Red Sea. They had went away. Pharaoh's army was destroyed, the enemy. And they were placed there, and God said, I'll take care of you, but just don't murmur and complain. Why? It's because they didn't believe God. And the problem is, so many times we read it here, but do we believe it in our hearts? And it can be so easy for us to sort of like take it and just let it scoop by and somehow say, well, that was for another period of history. No, it's for now. 
Many people today say, well, the Old Testament, not relevant today. Oh man, I love the Old Testament because it speaks. It's always pointing to Jesus. It's always pointing to Jesus. We know the New Testament's pointing back. And so we see that. Do we believe God? Do we believe God's going to take care of us? Do we believe God is going to supply what we need and beyond? Do we believe Him? Do we trust for His healing? Do we trust for what we need, whatever it may be? My God shall supply all our riches according to His, His, His riches in Christ Jesus. All my needs according to His riches in Christ Jesus. Do we believe it though? Do we really believe it here? Verse 1 says, When Israel was a child, I loved him. Do you hear God's heart in these words? And out of Egypt, I call my son here. Out of slavery here, I called you here. Remember how I taught you how to walk? How patiently I worked with you? How I rejoiced the day you took your first step? I took you by the arm and I helped you along. Remember when you were sick and how I nursed you back to health? Remember the measles and the chicken pox and those nasty colds? Who took care of you during those times? Do you remember how I healed you? Israel said, no, I didn't realize it. I didn't even realize it. And so many times you say, I would never say that. Or I would never do that. But how often do we give thanks? Oh man, when I'm on the mountaintops, I can praise God. Hallelujah, everything's going good. Everything's flowing. And I can thank Him. But when I'm in the valley, it's a whole different story. Do I thank Him in the valley? Do I thank Him not necessarily for the circumstances, but who He is in the circumstances? Every time. It's the same way. It's the same thing. Do you get the connection? You see what God's heart and how we grieve so easily? You feel the heart of God in this. And in verse 4, He says, I drew them to me with affection and love. I picked them up and I held them on my cheek. I bent down to them and fed them. And he's saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. You look for that every day, how God is saying He loves you and me here. And here's God stooping over His little one, taking care of every need here. All oh, the delight it is to the heart of God to take care of His people. It's like the delight of a young mother with her baby child here. It's not, obviously, degrading. God loves to bless us. Do we believe that? God loves to bless us because He's for us, not against us. Remember? Remember that. And then what does Ephraim say here? He said, leave me alone. I want something very different than you. I don't want you. But I believe that I can take care of myself. Thank you. I want bail. I want to give myself to iniquity. In verse 2, so they went from their, them turning from God and they sacrificed the Baals, its idols, and burned incense to carved images. You see, they, they turned to immorality and materialism. Does it make it more personal to say, we have idols in our lives today? Is anything in your life that's taken first place over God? Are you placing Him first place in your life? Am I put placing Him first place in my life? then if not, something's first place in my life and something in my life I'm going to worship because we were made to worship. You're either worshiping God or you're worshiping something. It can be leisure. It can be, yeah, just leave me alone. I'll warn you, don't tell God that you want to retire. <laughs> if you really want to do the will of God, don't tell Him you want to retire. 
Don't tell him that you're just tired. Tell him that I need strength, Lord. Don't tell him that I'm tired, Lord. Leave me alone. I can do it. I've, I've paid the dues here. Have you ever thought of it like that? I've paid my dues. When that happens, if you're serious about your relationship with God, look out because He'll pour it on you. He'll bring things to you to do. To say, no, you're not retired. You're not sitting on the sidelines. He said, I got more for you to do here. So how will God respond? He'll call them to Himself. He said, He will call them many times. Verse 7, but my people are bent on backsliding from Me. They're determined. They've made their mind up. They don't want anything to do with Me. So how will God respond to this here? You would think when they said, we don't want anything more to do with you, God, that obviously He would say, I'm done with you. I'm done. I'm finished. I mean, come on. Come on. We have our own one our way. You know why? Because I believe sometimes in my life, I know, and I usually, again, I know from my example, is many times I don't pray about something before I go ahead and charge full head into it. Do I want God's direction? Well, of course, I'm the pastor. Of course, I'm going to say that in front of you. But what happens out here? Am I asking God? Am I seeking Him? Am I walking in His presence? Am I grieving the heart of God by something in my life that's not pleasing to Him? Have I allowed something to take first place in my life or maybe to move Him out of a place and He's not even second or third or fourth in one way or another? Everything else takes His place. There are so many addictions today. There's so many habits today that we have. We don't even see when they come and get up on the altar of our hearts and God is saying, it's got to go. And we grieve His heart. We grieve His heart when that happens. But love wouldn't let Him go. Think about it. Even though they said, we want something else besides you. Love wouldn't let them go. In verse 8, how can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? And God used Hosea's personal experience as a picture of his love for his people. Y'all know the story. Gomer. God said, Mary Gomer. Gomer obviously went back to her old lifestyle of being a prostitute. Okay, And can you imagine... Go, uh, Homer, uh, Hosea's uh, heart breaking and him going out on the streets at night and thinking, where's my wife? She's prostituted herself. She's gone back to the old lifestyle. And yet God is saying, I want people to see what this is because what we do when we turn away from God, we prostitute ourselves to something else, folks. That's exactly what we do. And so one night, Hosea decided to go down to the red light district and see if he could find her. And finally, in the distance, he saw a woman being auctioned. Upon coming closer, he noticed that it was his own wife, the mother of his children. Her cheeks were no longer rosy. Her face was drawn and taut. Her eyes have lost their sparkle. Her hair was dirty and dull, and her clothes are but rags. And she's scanning the crowd, just wondering who will get the bed for her. There out of the shadows, a man appears. <laughs> wow. He looks like her Hosea. But he wouldn't want her now. He'd just come to see how low that she had sunk. But wait. He's smiling. And out of that smile, he speaks and says, I've come for you, dear. 
I'm going to take you home with me. The children are waiting. Tonight, we're having a big meal to celebrate your homecoming. That was me. That was you. I saw that man coming up through the crowd. His name is Jesus. And I was haggly looking. I sold my life away to sin. I knew right from wrong, folks. But I walked away. And I prostituted myself to many, many different things. And that man came through the crowd. And somehow he broke through. And I saw he still loved me. And he forgave me. He won me back. The third thing is God's heart is broken over our indifference or disobedience. In Ephesians 4, we mentioned it. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God, of God but by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You're talking about grieving. He's grieved many times by our choices, you see. Our attitudes, our behavior, our, our words, our actions, our thoughts here. Because He cares so much for us. Because He loves us. Because He so desires our highest good. And God was grieved by the unbelief of Israel in the wilderness. In Psalm 81 it says, Oh, hear, O my people, I admonish you, O Israel, if you will listen to me. There shall be no foreign God among you, nor shall you worship any foreign God. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. But my people would not heed my voice. And Israel would have none of me. So I gave them over to their stubborn heart to walk in their counsels. Oh, that my people would listen to me that Israel would walk in my ways and I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their adversaries. The haters of the Lord would pretend submission to Him, but their fate would endure forever. He would have fed them also with the finest of wheat and with honey from the rock. I would have satisfied you. God is longing to meet every need, you see. And when you and I refuse the voice of the Holy Spirit, when we indulge in our own lust and seek our own pleasure rather than the good pleasure of God, we grieve the Holy Spirit of God. I'll mention again, you ever started to do something and in the pit of your stomach you went, something not right? That's the Holy Spirit saying, don't do that. Do you know what happens and I want to mention this because this is serious. When you and I can do that, and we know it's not right, and He continues on, He is so loving, He's so full of mercy, but at some point, He'll say, enough is enough. It can be gossip. It can be anything. 
It can be putting those Dagons up there in our hearts, the idols that are there. Something else has creeped in. Something else has taken God's place in your life. You don't have the passion for Jesus like you used to have. You don't have the fire of God burning down in your heart like you used to. Something has happened to my heart. What he's saying, you've grieved the Holy Spirit. And when you grieve the Holy Spirit, be careful. Because really, sometimes you come out and you begin to pray and you go, my prayers are not like they were. They were fresh and they were vibrant and I could feel His presence and I could, I could commune with Him. I could walk in His presence. But where are you, Lord? Where are you? You could have grieved the Holy Spirit. And He waits until that true and deep repentance takes place in your heart and my heart. And then He comes back. And then you feel Him again. He's with me. We talked about how important the presence of the Lord is. And how important and how crucial it is. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. He's a, he's a person. And you and I can grieve Him when we're disobedient. He wants the very best for you and I. He forgives us, Remember. but there are consequences to our sin. Remember in Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son? Remember the story? Both boys were raised in a good house. Good father. I think representative of God too. And one said, no, I want my inheritance right now. And he went off and squandered it. And he had wild living. And he finally wound up in the pig pen eating a slop of pigs. He got so low that he finally realized, what am I doing here? How did I get here? See, you see, you drifting from God is not just one big jump. It's slow. It's a drifting away. And before long, you realize your heart is not into the things of God like it was even last year. The enemy knows he can't take you out of the Father's hand. But one thing he can do, he can kept, keep peppering you and I to try to destroy our faith. And that's the way he works. If you feel like, I, I don't, what you'll do is become apathetic. You become lethargic as far as the things of God. They'll no longer be, longer be exciting to you. No longer bring that warmth in your heart that my Father, my Father loves me. And you're going, what's wrong? God's saying, I've been grieved. The other son, he walked away. But what did he do? He realized. He came to his senses. The NIV says, bam, the light bulb went off. I'm going to go back to my Father. Did the Father chastise him? And I mean, get the whip out and so forth? No. He put the robe on him. He put the ring on him. He put the sandals on him. And they took and killed a calf, right? And they had a party. Because my son, who once was lost, has been found. So if you're in that position today, I just want to say, and you feel like you're just not where God would want you to be, return. Go back to him. Your father is basically saying, I miss my son. I miss you. I miss that intimate communion with you. 
I want you to know me. I want you to know who I am. I'm a father to you. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I want you to know me. And I love you. And I want to do the very best for you. Whatever it may be. Listen to this story and we'll close. This is a story of a young teenage girl who ran away from home. She had gotten into an argument with her parents and felt that they were mistreating her unfairly. So she left. And when she got out on the street, she couldn't find any work, so she ended up becoming a prostitute. At night, she would have a search for a place to sleep. And she often found shelter sleeping in public restrooms. She thought back to the love her parents had once shown her and all the good times she had, had once had but she felt too unworthy to return to her parents. She didn't think they were any way possible that they would have her back after what she had done with her life. One night when she walked into a restroom to find a place to sleep, she saw a sheet of paper on the wall with a picture of her parents. It had a note on it that read, no matter where you are and no matter what you've done, we'll always love you. And at that moment, tears began to stream down her face. And they were not tears of sadness. They were tears of joy. She knew right then that she could return home. The love that this young girl's parents had for her is just a hint of the love our Heavenly Father has for us. The one thing that the Lord wants us to do is keep our sins secret. The Bible says, confess your sins one to another that you may be forgiven and you may be healed. When you bring it out into a light, it doesn't hold the power of you as it does when it's in the darkness. And that's why I invite all of you, anybody, if you need anybody here, what you say is confidential and also if there's something on your heart and God has been putting His hand on it saying, I want to take that away from you. and I want you to walk in freedom. Bring it out in the light. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And that translation is correct. Don't you, in some translations, it has sort of a thing that adds to it. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. None. We all walk in this journey called life. And we get beat up, battered, and bruised, and so forth. And the sooner you bring it out into the light, the sooner it will be that you're set free. Our Father's heart's grieved because of our passivity. Going along, get along. God has placed you and me here to make a difference. To tell other people about Jesus. To let the truth be known. And yet what is happening today is Christians have tucked their tails and ran many times. Because why? It's because there's persecution and there's obviously people that are coming against people of faith. And we see it on the TV. We hear about it and we know today. And we're going, man, if I can just hide away over here in the corner, everything will be fine. And God is saying, no, I've got work for you to do. We become passive. And we don't let our light shine in that darkness. And the darkness today in this country is raging. The darkness is raging right here in League City, Texas. The darkness is all around. And you and I have been placed here to make a difference. 
And whatever God's called you to do and me to do, do it. And do it with all diligence because God is saying that the time may be very short. It very well could be. And go forth because it's not your power doing it to begin with. It's His power in you and through you. But don't be still. Don't get lethargic. Do what God's called you to do. Now, how do I know He's told you to do it? Because that's what He does. When He calls us into His kingdom, He calls us to obviously get out and work. Not for our salvation. That's by grace through faith. But because of our salvation, we give Him praise. Amen? Amen. Breaking the heart of God. How do I know all these things? <laughs> I told you I don't I preach something I'm not experiencing. <laughs> I just can't preach unless it's burning on my heart. I can't preach it <laughs> unless, it's, unless it's just kindling down deep. If I can't like set out a warning and say, do what God tells you to do. Don't break His heart. He's a Father to us and He loves you and me. Of the love way beyond what we would ever understand, grasp. We can't grasp the love He has for us. If you turn away, return. Israel wouldn't, but one day they will. And we know in the book of Revelation, during that time period, they're going to come back. They're going to realize that the Lamb that was slain there was a Lamb that was slain for all of mankind. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for Your Word, Your truth. Thank You for Your love, Your goodness. What an awesome God we serve. You're a good Father, good, good Father. How great Thou art. Thank You, Lord, today. Father, if anybody here has grieved Your heart and You've been speaking to them or You spoke to them today, whatever, Lord, I ask You, they get it right with You or get it right with somebody else if they need to. Dear God, Your grace would cover them. They wouldn't hold back because You didn't hold back. And dear God, today that You would reveal that phileo love that the Father has for each one of us. I love experientially. God, You do it all day. We just sometimes, we don't even recognize it. And we don't give You thanks. We just pray, Father, today that You touch every heart Thank you, Holy Spirit. That's what you're doing. So we, we praise you and thank you. You're here. You're moving. And Lord, whatever's on your heart, that's what we want to be a part of. Almighty God, we love you. We praise you. Lord, we know we're in the process of sanctification. We know, Lord, you're working on us. We know without a shadow of a doubt Something's happening. And we're grateful. Bless every person here, Father. And we'll thank you and praise you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you.